0: Welcome back to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I'm Aaron Brightman and happy to have David Anderson returning for Iowa on Saturday, 3.30 Eastern Time on the Big Ten Network. Rutgers traveling to Iowa City for a huge opportunity to make a statement and get a signature win. David, thanks so much for being back.
1: Appreciate it as always. Looking forward to the game.
0: So let's just start briefly. Um, Any thoughts on uh, the Ohio State performance Obviously a disappointing end, but some encouraging things as well.
1: Sure. I mean, I think a lot of these points have been made by local and even national media. The fact that Rutgers was able to run the ball in Ohio State was pretty much shocking, The how well they did with that. But a lot of that came from just throwing the ball enough and Ohio State not wanting to get beat deep, right? And so that. And then Kyle Menungai, just like we talked about in the preview, Just, they didn't want to tackle him at times. I mean, even Desmond Igbenosan, or I'm sorry, which brother? Davidson made the tackle on him when Isaiah Washington was getting criticized for his poor block. But I don't even, if I was blocking, I don't even know what Igbenosan was doing on that. Like, it was as if he was out for a jog, too. And then it was just kind of a strange situation. But ultimately, that tackle was huge because Rutgers had to settle for a field goal. And we can talk all we want about how, you know, settling for field goals is not good enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, you know, everyone has to be pleased with just Rutgers did more on offense than we could never expect. And when your running game is that good, then you shouldn't pass the ball too much more. And then I was totally fine with the, uh, the decision to make that pass that ultimately led to a pick six because, I mean – Sure. The law of averages would say you're not going to throw three pick sixes like in your three biggest games of the season, like <laughs> the, in that manner. I mean, sure, the Wisconsin one was kind of they jumped her out. But this Ohio State and Michigan was just like a bounce of the ball and like a little bit of luck. I, you, you can't play scared like that. You have to take those shots. And in that situation, they had the lead. So it was the right time to try to go with a play that you had been practicing. Ohio state was totally going to like suck up on the fact that he was blocking and there was a window to throw that pass. It was small, but you know, that's the type of plays that you're going to have to make. And even then you didn't expect them to return it for a touchdown. Let's say Ohio state just more likely the ball would be incomplete, or even if it's intercepted, you would assume that the guy would fall down diving for it and you wouldn't even have to tackle him. So a lot of like weird things like that, but it was very exciting. And uh, Rutgers defense held up really well. I mean, you shut down two possible NFL first round draft picks and Harrison and Ibuka. I know Ibuka was coming off of injury. He never really got going, but I, I mean, I, I don't know what else you can say about how good Rutgers play. They played defensively the game plan you needed to play. And really it's that Travion Henderson 65 yard catch and run that everyone's talked about. Maybe if Tyrone Powell's in there, it's a different story or, Jabomi with another year of experience is going to make that play. I don't know. Like that, but once he got off to the races, that that was kind of a play. But then Ruggers didn't quit either. If Ian Strong catches that pass, it's 28-23, right? Yep. If you right. And then you've been stopping him. So it was really exciting to watch, and probably a lot more exciting than this game this weekend might be. <laughs> so there's that.
0: Yeah, all great points. I agree, I, and I do agree with you. And I said this previously. I I thought you know people that were saying they, sh- they were running it down their throat. Should, they shouldn't have thrown in that situation. I disagree as well. They should have absolutely thrown. My only gripe with it is that you've thrown to Manungai so little this year, and why not throw it to a you know one of your better pass uh, pass catchers in that situation? Just because up the middle, it's like that's a tough catch for anybody over your shoulder, the especially way it was thrown. for a
1: guy that. Is that short?
0: Yeah, well, uh, and he's like, you know, he's built, he's, he's built like a rock. You know, <laughs> he's built like a rock, but can move like, you know, a, a gazelle. That's like his appeal as a runner. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so I, I just thought the actual play call to him in that situation was, was rough. But I do agree. They had to throw the ball to score. You're not going to run it in 20, you know, once they got into the red zone, they showed they, it was very difficult to run it. You got to be able to throw it. But anyway, excellent points as always. Let's just get into the Iowa game. Um, I, I know, uh, and I had a former Iowa player on this week and he harped on it. I know you wanted to harp on it as well um, because it does seem like this really could be the difference in the game and that we're talking about special teams.
1: For sure. I mean, when you watch Iowa, their their field position is obviously crucial. They really struggle to put together long touchdown drives. Their uh, game against Northwestern, their first score – was set up by a block punt and it was impressive because the guy who blocked it was being picked up by the back line of pass of a uh, punt protection. And he just kind of willed himself through there and just shoved the guy back, got a hand up and was able to tip that ball setting them up for favorable uh, field position. And then of course, as we've already talked about in an earlier podcast, I think the Cooper DeGene punt return against Minnesota, that was called back If would have probably won that game for them too. If if that happens, you're looking at an eight and two, or I'm sorry, what would they be? They'd be eight eight and one Iowa squad. Uh, Personally, I I think that was, that was correctly called a fair catch. And the reason I say that is because if you're the coverage team, as someone who's played on coverage, there's no way that you are going to go in guns blazing to tackle a guy. If you think he might've called a fair catch that if you hit him, You're going to give them 15 free yards and put them in field goal range. There's no way that you're going to do that in the modern game. And that was how we were coached, you know, almost 20 years ago now when I was playing. So I I think that was kind of, it looked to me like, if, if there's any way possible that you're waving your arm, it's a fair catch. Now that shouldn't take away from the fact that the guy has an amazing returner. We saw his interception return last year against Rutgers was a key difference in the game you cannot let Iowa special teams beat you their kicker their, their punter is one of the best punters in the nation tory taylor again he was considered by many even better than adam corsack and he's still there and then their kicker has been up and down he missed a kick last week but then he also hit a game winning 50 plus yarder after northwestern was basically celebrating like they had won the game because they forced a fourth down with 14 what was it, 18 seconds left and then their yeah. kicker just Barry is a 52-yarder that would have been good from 60. So, you know, there, they're, you cannot let their return game, field goal kicker, punter, anyone, gunners, every anything, you cannot blow this game on special teams. And that's why I wanted to talk about it first, which is kind of what Jeffrey the Greek was saying. He thinks Iowa has a little bit of an advantage there. And you mentioned that the, it's pretty even except for the return game where Iowa is definitely stronger. I mean, I know you've already talked about this twice this week, but – any other thoughts on special teams while we're just basically previewing the game?
0: Yeah, well, you know, just going back to the Dijon uh, fair catch, like I kind of looked at it as almost like checking your swing in baseball. You know, it's like I felt like once he went just above the shoulder line, you know, it's 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 open to interpretation, and like you you never should put yourself in that position. You know, and check swings yeah. get bad, uh, poorly called all mm. the time, but it's like. Once you get close, it's, you know, it's a split second decision. Like you said, that makes a lot of sense in terms of how the coverage team is reacting. Um, But yeah, I I totally agree with what you're saying. I I think uh, this is just one of those games where I think any like not fluke play, but any kind of like X factor play happens, that could very easily be the difference. And whether that's a block punt, uh, uh, you know, a uh, deflected field goal attempt, um, you know, I, I think on the, on the reverse, it's, this is very much, I feel like this could be a moment for Jay Patel because obviously, you know, it's going to be hard to score points on Iowa. Uh, Patel's been, you know, kind of uh, under the radar, very steady this year, 11 of 13. Yeah. Uh, obviously, at all, I, I don't know. <laughs> has anyone in Rutgers history ever made a 20, a 21, and a 22 yarder in the same game? I, I mean, I, if I had time, you know, I'd look it up. But
1: maybe Keenan Startzel or Alex Falsinelli, maybe. <laughs> but they, they don't even back like that.
0: Dig <laughs> it deep on those names. I love it. But uh yeah, so I mean, but he, you know, he's been. Uh, I think he's uh he's only missed one kick. Uh You know, he missed the thirty-eight yarder on right. opening day that deflected off the post, and then he missed that fifty-plus yarder in Michigan. So every kick between forty and forty-nine, he's made. You know, he's right. been super consistent. This is going to be the biggest any kick he has on Saturday with the most pressure kick he's had in his career. So I'm really looking at him oh, on how he's going to react to that. And then I just think in terms of um, the field position game, I feel like this is going to be truly like I'm not take giving advice on gambling, but I would be shocked if the over hits in this game simply because I think both coaches are going to play it so conservatively gambling on the fact that that one play is going to be the difference and who's going to get that one play. Maybe if that happens early, it opens up things later on, but I'm skeptical of that.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a historically record low for the over/under. So, but the thing is, is I don't bet really. But when I make the picks, especially at Off Tackle Empire, a lot of times it just comes down to, a, you know, a lucky bounce early in the game, so that yes. one other, so that one team has to kind of abandon their just pound the strat pound strategy like early, and then sometimes you get a backdoor either cover or over from a late touchdown i mean come on ohio state hit the spread last week and that was because they were just trying to get marvin henderson a to touchdown like when they should have been just running it into the line to get out of there with a the victory right so yeah. it's entirely possible that you it hits the over like that's why i don't bet on stuff like that because yeah.
0: It could be irregardless of the outcome of the game. It could just be right, you know. Right.
1: It, and that's. It, but it, you know, I guess that kind of leads into an interesting point. And I guess let's talk about the Iowa offense now because that Cooper DeGene punt return against Minnesota, and I, I saw a good comment saying someone who was at the stadium said once that was was not once that was ruled a fair catch. They all they had to do was get 15 yards to get in field goal range. They're down 12 to 10 at home against Minnesota, who was shredded by Northwestern like right before that so it's not like Minnesota's defense is as good as they've been last year but nobody in the stadium had confidence that Iowa could move the ball 15 yards to set up a 50-yard field goal which again he easily made last week against you know Northwestern so that's the 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 momentum is a huge part of what their offense does I feel like their their offensive line like Jeffrey the Greek was saying is it's not bad I I saw by some metrics at worst, they're the seventh best offensive line in the big 10 at worst. I mean, when you look at their, their pro football focus ratings, and I know we kind of got away from that the last few weeks because we've actually been able to look at stats, but they're, they have such a terrible offense. You're just trying to figure out like what the heck's going on. And basically their center is ranked fourth best. Their guards are third and eighth. Their tackle uh, dunker is ranked 14th, which still would make him a starting level big 10 tackle. But Richmond is their other tackle, and he is ranked second to last. So if there's a weak link on their offensive line, it's probably Richmond. I think he's number 78, mm-hmm. uh, especially in pass protection. So if they do have to pass, that that is where they've been letting up a lot of pressure. But in the run game, I mean, they've been winning these games by either just running for big yards or a stat we talk about a lot with Rutgers is run success rate. So if it's third and one and you get two, that would be considered a successful run. If it's third and eight and you run for two, that would not be considered a successful run. So their metrics are far from the bottom of the barrel when you look at that, which is an area that we have praised Rutgers for as well. Even in games where Rutgers' yards per carry might be around four, their conversion on third and short, particularly even fourth and short, is quite good. And I was kind of a master at that. Otherwise, on their offense, their two best skill position players are hurt which is, as uh, you had in the other podcast, Lachey is out for the year, and Eric All, I think his name is, the other tight end, made yep. some great plays, almost single-handedly won that game against Michigan State. And so they they just don't have playmakers. I mean, even uh, – I think it's Williams. The He had like a – was it – Oh no, it was Caleb Johnson had like a 67-yard touchdown run, which was their only touchdown in one of their other wins. He is ranked – absolutely worst in the big 10 as a running back worst. And that's when you have a line that we've talked that I just mentioned is not one of the worst offensive lines, especially in the run blocking. And so if those are your two running backs um, you got your fourth, worst running back and the worst running backs uh, in terms of ratings and yardage pretty much. And then at wide receiver, their three receivers are bottom five in the big 10 nationally their three receivers are 938th 941st and 958th wow. so their best wide receiver is 941st best wide receiver in the nation that is just insanely bad and so what does this mean like what can we take away from this well one thing that i think is a an underrated part of this game is their the iowa pass game so they got deacon hill who's their backup for Cade mcnamara right and then, It seems like he's been coached almost like we saw Evan Simon in that temple game last year, where if the guy is not wide open, he throws it nowhere near the guy, like nowhere near him. So sometimes it's this high. Sometimes it's out of bounds. It's as if they're purposely trying to throw incomplete. They don't want to risk any sort of turnover. And so you watch it and it's like, it's worse than watching the jets or giants, which is hard to say. It's, it's, it's literally more painful to watch than that because it's as if they're not trying to complete passes, and all they're trying to do is get flags. They had more right. penalty yardage on pass interference and defensive holding and illegal contact against Northwestern than they did actual passing yardage, and they won. So, That's wild. so it comes to this interesting question, like we talked about the Michigan State, Michigan State's defense. They kind of like kind of sit back off receivers. They don't press them, and then they kind of get pick up opportunistic interceptions because they're almost baiting a quarterback into the plan of throwing it in there. And so I don't know if Rutgers goes the route of like what they did against Ohio state, which is play press man coverage and like play tough. Or if they almost slough off the receivers a little bit, not totally baiting them into throwing a pick, but if the throws off target, the, the corner or the safety is not engaged with him to potentially make the play. I don't know what the game plan is. I think we've seen Rutgers play both ways. I think that their better strategy is to press up and don't let them get any momentum, but there is something to be said if your safeties can kind of hover around and pick off those terribly thrown balls. I mean, did I don't think Jimmy the Greek talked about that at all, but like from a Rutgers pass defense standpoint, I think there's some options there and I've seen teams play it both ways against Iowa, both of which worked. I mean, any thoughts on the Iowa pass game?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, what I was, what I was focusing on, what I was just trying to look up was, uh, turnover margin for both teams i mean uh i was turned it over six more times than Rutgers has this year so they've turned it over 14 times Rutgers has only turned it over eight times um you know so i i I really think it's it's i don't know i mean my biggest key is kind of simple in the fact that like whichever team can force a turnover and get a short field for their their offensively challenged offense (laughs) or their challenged offense you know that could very well be the difference so if you force a fumble on their own 20 i mean that could be the game right there so Uh, I think it's interesting because it's like you could argue Rutgers wouldn't have to play their best defensive game and they could still win. But I actually think they need to play their best defensive game because the margin for error is so thin that if you just have one bad play, that really could be the difference. And I think the challenge that they're going to have is, you know, that Ohio state game was so physical and, Can they bring that same physicality? You know, is there a little bit of a a, a mental, emotional, physical hangover for this team? You know, offensive line as well. The way they were attacking Ohio State, obviously it was a bit of a stomach punch in terms of how they lost. Uh, Are they able to regroup and just be able to have that same effort and energy and urgency in that game? Because I'm, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but to flip the script, it's like Rutgers ran against Ohio State and no one expected it. Right, but yet, right. Vegas is saying there's no way they're they're basically saying there's no way they're going to do that against Iowa. But is it really that different? Is
1: it that they and can't, or is that they won't? Right. I mean, well, again, I don't better. think
0: I think this is definitely a game that Rutgers would, 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 is going to throw less. Right. And I, I I think one key is you know and we know the the one kind of I don't know if you call it weakness, but maybe that the the, the the um the one issue that maybe Iowa defense you could say has is the the edge rushers right so can you get whimset off the edge the way they did against uh, indiana on that run you know like that like one run like that could be the difference so i think yeah. the chess match in this game for me is like fascinating i love it um and, and and in terms of the iowa offense yeah i think can the front four get consistent pressure how much are we going to see safety blitzes? You know, I think we're going to see some at some point. Um, but you're right. Like, all it takes is a bad Deacon he Hill pass. And I think Rutgers is is good enough to be able to to capitalize on that. So, you know, is this a game – talking about Cooper DeGene, you know, with that run back last year. Is this a game that Shaquan Loyal, you know, who who has had some great returns in his uh, career uh, of interceptions, you know, that would be huge too. So, I, I just think it's it's yeah. – even though it might not be a very exciting game, I feel like – it's going to be such a tense on the edge of your seat game because it's just, you're looking for that one or two plays that's going to decide the game.
1: Right. Well, that's where if you want to just wrap up with Iowa's offense, right, um, they've won games where he threw for 37 yards and 65 <laughs> yards. I mean, that's that's Rutgers one passing yard, eight passing yard type territory. How, how many he, attempts do you know? I don't have it off the top of my head. One of them yeah. I think he only had 10.
0: Yeah, and I then, figured. He, I know he's got games between ten and fifteen.
1: Yeah, so and his his, I mean, he's doing us a favor because by his uh, completion percentage is lower than Gavin Williams at, so he's not the worst in the country or in the conference. Okay, uh, David, can you imagine
0: that the fallout for if a Bryant Ferentz led offense has like a career day and um, they score like 25, 28 points, it's gonna be brutal. Cause well, you don't let's want to
1: be that how, just real quick. Like how the, how would they, how do they score? So how do they score? Well, first of all, there's been talking about Cooper Dejean playing as like a wildcat quarterback because it can't be any worse. So there's yeah. that you could, you have to be ready for that. The second is in the run game, just like they are a little bit vulnerable to those perimeter runs. I think Iowa's offensive line is very sound. Like when they're, blocking down and flowing to the side. They're really good at using angles. And so you, this is where like we, we talk about like, for example, like Virginia tech being poor at their defensive line, like their line uh, alignment on linebacker and safety coming. The Rutgers safeties and linebackers have to be on point with their lanes because that's where Iowa beats you is that they run these like almost like diagonal runs. They're not really to the perimeter, but they're not really in the middle and they, they know how to use the angles and you cannot be like missing your lane or that's how they, they, they generate yardage. And then the other thing that they're starting to do more of is play action. So even though their passing is not successful, and we've seen a lot more data in the NFL on this than in college, it doesn't actually matter how successful you are at running the ball. It has very little impact as your success in play action. However, they're averaging 3.7 yards per play on pocket passes. And they're averaging 6.1 on play action. So I don't know if that's because defenses are just sucking up on the run because they're expecting it so much, or if there's actually something that Deacon Hill, almost like you see some NFL quarterbacks, like a, like a Zach Wilson, where he has actually better off when he has less time to think about what he's doing. And he just fakes the handoff, turns around, and throws it, or or just makes a play. I'm not sure. I haven't. It's hard to tell what's going on with him, even in his head. But it's entirely possible that you see Wildcat, you see a lot of play action, and that they're just going to try to pound you with those runs kind of between guard and tackle where they're hoping that someone makes a mistake in their pursuit angle. Like that's how the Iowa offense does move the ball when they have it. And When they get a short field and they only need one or two first down conversions, they have been able to use that, advan- that momentum to their advantage. I mean, they're converting 27% of third downs. It's awful. Yeah. Overall, I mean, and a lot of them are are, are third and shorts, which is – that has to be the worst in the country. There's no way anyone's worse than that, I wouldn't think. So that's how you – that's what you have to be aware of as a defensive game planner. So in the pass game, it's easier to have those run lanes filled if you play press man coverage and bring a safety down and just trust your guys, right? So to your point, though, if you do get burned on like one big pass play and single coverage, do you change your strategy – do you just say "oh"? Chalk that up to they practice football too. I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see what that chess match is. Boring for everyone who's not really paying attention, but for anybody who's kind of like can watch a two to one baseball game and like be really, I yeah. think it's interesting. This could be like that. Yeah. Any for other sure. thoughts on the Iowa offense before you flip the script? Well, well, yeah, I was just gonna add
0: to that in the sense of you know I think the first quarter is everything. I mean, we've seen. We've seen the Rutgers defense, you know, come out a little flat, you know, against Indiana and Michigan State. Um, you know, Ohio State scored on the second possession, I believe, which the, the defense didn't inherit a short field. It wasn't their fault. But, um, you know, setting the tone from the from the first first time they were on the field, I think, is huge. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you want to talk about the, uh, the Rutgers offense now?
1: Sure. The last thing I'll mention about Iowa is that even though their best two tight ends are out, their number three tight end is ranked ninth in Pro Football Focus, and I think his name is Stilianos. Is that overall, um, or is
0: that for blocking, receiving? For, for
1: overall in the Big Ten, he's ranked ninth.
0: Wow, all around yeah, well, tight end you.
1: Right, so so that's where, um, they might go play action and try to throw it to him because you got to expect their tight ends are blocking. So there's definitely an opportunity for him to leak out, and you got to cover him. And this yeah, is in the middle what of the
0: field that'd be scary.
1: If you had Tyreen Powell, you'd feel a lot more confident, right? Yeah, Motore cool. is made in a, a nice interception last week, but that's not really his game. I mean, we have seen him make right. that interception that one against Purdue early in his career, but like they're gonna try to find their tight end, even their other tight ends. Like clearly they have depth there, even though their top two guys are out. And on well, the flip side, or go ahead, no, go ahead. On the flip side, we we, we have talked about this. Uh, Jimmy mentioned it on your podcast that Iowa is particularly vulnerable to tight end play. They've been victimized by opposing tight ends several times. A big play in that Michigan State-Iowa game was when Malik Carr was injured because he was carving him up before that. And then also uh, there was a, another couple games where I, I think – There's one other game when I watch, I'm not sure if it was Minnesota. I think it maybe was because Minnesota's tight ends last year were the best in the conference. Like we talked about during the beginning of the season under Chiraca this year, they'd actually been the worst, but they kind of came alive a little bit against Iowa if I'm remembering right. And so there's opportunity for tight ends to beat them. We have not seen much of that from the Rutgers offense. So kind of like we talked about the pick your poison on defense on offense. It's like, do we introduce things that we haven't done all season or do we try to just stick with the run game? Like you were mentioning Rutgers has did it against Ohio state. They're going to pass less. Do they just keep pounding it until they can't pound it anymore? My thought would be probably, even though the weakness of this Iowa defense is yeah, those tight ends. And then the other thing they're vulnerable to is the same thing that they do on offense, which is those runs where you kind of change their, their perspective or change the angles so they have been susceptible to quarterback runs like you said where wins might be able to get to the outside like he did against indiana and if you can change the geometry basically of what the defense is doing and it's a little harder to know exactly what your assignment and exactly what angle to take because if you just run at these guys and they know where they need to be they're going to stop you it, unless again, you get we couldn't wear them down like we saw last week with Ohio State. Rutgers had a lot of that success just pounding it late in the game because they were wearing down Ohio State and I was no different. But if you can get to the outside and they have to kind of make decisions about, okay, where do I need to be? Then that's one way to, to get there. And this works on passing plays as well. Their defensive backs, Sebastian Castro is actually rated higher than Cooper DeGene. He's the number one rated cornerback in the big 10. He might even be third nationally uh, Castro this year. He's been amazing, but how do you beat any cornerback? That's that good. Well, you change their, the angle that they're covering, right? So if you if you're a receiver and he thinks it's in breaking route, but then your quarterback rolls outside, there's no way any cornerback can stay with it. If you have a little bit of speed. So that's a place where if you can change where they're looking, you're going to have to protect the edge so that there's no free rushers coming at Wimsett. But if he can get to the outside, he should be able to run or pass successfully. And those are kind of the ways you can beat their defense. But the question is how much do you do that and open yourself up to, you know, a sack or a negative play on the perimeter versus just keeping him safe in the middle. And, and that'll be really interesting to see what happens with that. Two
0: points on that. First off, I think that's one of the best things that Munangai does is being able to 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 spurt out the you know off the edge, uh you know where a play maybe is even going up the middle and the way he's able to bounce off like he did against Virginia Tech, like he did against Michigan State in those big TD runs. So I think that's encouraging and a great point that you made in terms of how potentially they could run off of uh, Iowa. And then the other thing I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about, um, you know we, we know that they're you know digesting film. And what did Rutgers have a weakness in against Ohio State? And that was, you know, covering Trayvon Henderson with a linebacker in the middle of the field. Not saying I would necessarily use a running back in that situation, but maybe they attack that same type of, uh, you know, situation with a tight end um, to try to get a linebacker in a bad angle again. So I think that's uh, curious. I, I think tight ends up the middle is definitely a vulnerability that, you know, something to watch for. But then on the flip side, you're right. I think that, that Rutgers could, uh, getting off that edge with Winslet Orman on guy, I think is really huge. And then I, I, I've I said it like a broken record, but I feel like this is also a game that you can incorporate Aaron Young in some way. Because I feel like the way he uh, you know uh, can move and also catch passes out of the backfield can create a different look. And it really hasn't been something they've used in a, in a few weeks now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, when we talk about it, right, Iowa, for example, they they beat Rutgers last year completing one pass to a wide receiver. Like, that's just how it is. I mean, on the Rutgers side, I like both, like what you said, Mononga and Aaron Young. I think they have really good vision on those long stretch plays to the outside that if you can protect, like, long enough and you can get them that, that place. Like, Young had that really nice touchdown against in the bowl game, where it was like that, where he kind of ran to the outside, and there, it was kind of like chaos, and it was almost like a return almost like a return in terms of how much space there was. Similarly, yep. I think was, was it was it Menungai had that touchdown against Syracuse two years ago in the same exact way, where it was yep. kind of like almost – I don't know if it was a toss, but it looked like a toss play in terms of how it worked itself out. And I feel like Rutgers has the ability to get out there, especially when – I mean, Gus Alinskis and Brian Felter, the reason that they were not projected as starters in the beginning is they're a little bit more limited in size – but they have good mobility. So there's a good chance that you could see Rutgers kind of doing that same thing when they have the ball, is trying to get to the outside. But again, the question is, do you risk negative plays versus if you think you can run up the middle and get two yards and stay closer to or fully on schedule? But I do think that there, This, to your point, this is an Aaron Young possible game. It's also a Sam Brown game because I think he can, when healthy, he can kind of stiff arm guys a little bit better and get to the outside. He doesn't need like a free lane like an Aaron Young more so does because of his size to get to that perimeter. Sam Brown, we've seen him kind of like almost – use his acceleration to get a little extra step where they're expecting it like a big blow. And then he, rather than lowering his shoulder, he just kind of stiff arms, not full power, but just stiff arms enough to then get to the outside. There might be an opportunity for that as well. I think there's a lot of different things that Rutgers can do in the run game, assuming that they're, they can hold the defensive ends from Iowa. Cause as, as weak as they might be in pass per, uh, rush, they are not weak in run support at all. So that's going to be, can they hold the point of attack on the outside or can you blow up those guys who are trying to set the edge on defense? All these things could happen. It's going to be really interesting to watch how that goes.
0: All right. So my last question and then your final thoughts, what's more of a risk? Uh, The game plan of just being fully committed to the run with the idea that you're eventually going to wear down, the will and and the Iowa defense with the run game, which is extremely hard to do, or actually take some chances here and there thinking that maybe that isn't going to happen no matter what you do. And then your final thoughts.
1: Well, I would say, and we didn't talk about this on the Ohio state preview, but one thing that Ohio State was doing poorly earlier in the year, and I think they really did a better job against records, was not telegraphing the run. When Ohio mm-hmm. State was playing Wisconsin, watching on TV, we could tell when they were going to run at almost every time on first down. Like, it just looked like a run. And yeah. so there's two things to do that. One is play action. And two is you just you jazz it up a little bit so that you it doesn't look like an obvious run and that's one thing that the iowa offense does really well they'll go trips right but they'll run the exact same play as they would do with you know 20 12 personnel like they do a really good job of dressing up the play even though it's literally the same play it just looks different from the outside and so the alignment it doesn't really impact you like when i play defensive end like it didn't really impact me if there's receivers to the left or to the right. Like I'm very focused on what's happening inside the tackle box. And so I think Rutgers might employ some of the same things where I mean Iowa's got the number 2 and number 5 ranked linebackers and their safeties are ranked like 3rd and 12th in in the Big 10. So they've got Guys who would be a number one linebacker, two guys who would be a number one linebacker on a Big Ten team, and two safeties who would be the number one safety on a Big Ten team. So I don't think just running up the gut is going to work. I think you're going to have to scheme guys a little bit open. And I, I, know, I know we are harping on this Manungi play against Ohio State, but like that idea of surprising them with something where they thought he's lead blocking. So if he's lead blocking, then Wimsett's going to run. So try to defeat him and then let him go because he's a blocker. Like, those type of plays are can work. A tight end leaking out a plays like that. I think to get the receivers going, we're going to have to do what we said. You're going to have to be a rollout, and the guy's going to have to, like, kind of do, like, a comeback route, but yeah. not with the quarterback in the pocket. It's going to have to be outside, so you get an extra, like, half second or half step to feed that ball. But tight ends and running backs, yeah, everything's on the table in this game. I mean – do I think Rutgers can break the Iowa will? Not really, because nothing has broken their will this year other than their game against Penn State. Yep. But conversely, it's going to be very hard to break the will of Rutgers. So, I mean, I guess my final thought is that now that I live in ACC country, having lived in SEC country, it's and living in Pac-12 country before, I mean, it's like, am I excited for this game? Yes. Would it be more fun if I was excited for a game that probably was going to be 24-21 than 10-9? to Yes. I mean, I, I think that what will be interesting to see is if one team goes up early like 10-0, and yeah. then sometimes the worst thing that can happen is you go up 10-0, and then the other team is like, all right, got to just start doing stuff that is yeah. you know, stretching them out. Defense is backing off. They're playing cover two. Then you start getting something going. Now it's 10-7, and you have all the momentum That'll be interesting to see. Um, honestly, I don't know how Soraka is going to do it. I, that's what I was actually trying to look up: is what he did last year against Iowa in that game when he was at Minnesota. It looks like uh, Minis- they beat Minnesota thirteen to ten. So whatever Soraka did last year didn't work. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's hard to say. I I, I think Rucker's going to try, if I had to make my best guess, of just doing what they did against Ohio State because both defenses are quite similar in Ohio State and Iowa. You try to wear them down a little bit, and then even if you don't score points early, you have a shot that maybe that pays dividends down the line. I, I guess that's the best guess that I have. And then I think he'll have a couple plays schemed up that they're going to go to in a key spot, just like he did last week, where if the opportunity presents itself and you can go – Maybe a play where you got two receivers right and they kind of cut inside and it lets a tight end flare out to the side outside. And maybe you get up a tight end against a corner and you have a size advantage. Maybe some plays like that, you know, fairly. It's risky, but it's a, pra- a play that you've been practicing all week that kind of makes you feel a little bit more confident. I feel like that's what they're going to do. And then if Iowa does present themselves with, like, you know, corners are playing back and they're giving you that six-yard out route, let's say it's second and ten, I think, I think Wimsett has shown enough that he's gonna he can throw those routes unless Iowa starts jumping him, which it's not really their style to jump. Last comment is just remember before the season we talked about how, how much does Rutgers have to almost sell out to force turnovers versus just playing sound defense and get turnovers? Mm-hmm. For the most part, Iowa just plays sound defense and gets turnovers. It's not really their style to gamble for interceptions. So I think that those plays might be available. Like if you see a corner playing back, you you probably are going to be able to complete that ball unless they, you know, smartly before the play are are changing things up. I mean, their corners understand receiver route trees better than often the, the opposing receivers do. And so <laughs> if you play it, like if they can read the exact route you're running, then they're going to jump it. And so, Maybe there's going to be some variability there. I mean that that'll be really interesting to see. Like, I don't think I was going to feel like they have to gamble defensively to win this game, unless Rutgers goes up by a few points, and then it might get interesting. And then we yeah. might have a game like we had last year, where where there it was higher scoring than anyone expected.
0: Yeah, those are all excellent points. I, I think yeah, the dynamic of I, I think your point of if someone gets out to an unexpected lead early. The other team potentially having an advantage where they're opening things up because it's not necessarily what you've been pl- planning against, right? All week. You're kind of preparing for this conservative, you know, run first approach. And mm-hmm. then if someone does, is for their hand is forced to have to open up things, it, it does make it more interesting. I, I honestly. Would would be thrilled with like if it's three three in the third quarter, because I think it would be so much more interesting to see all right, who's gonna make the first move, who who's gonna adjust here, uh, you know, how how long are they gonna I go hope somebody...
1: 21-0 in the third quarter? Like, that's well really yeah, nice. of course,
0: of course. But I am talking <laughs> No, I know, I know what it. you're saying. I know what
1: you're saying. <laughs> you know, because like yes, I hope
0: rockers is up twenty-one nothing, but I think it would be a fascinating tell. From a coaching perspective, to see how Rutgers is going to handle that situation, I just think it would be really interesting to see. Um, I also just before you mentioned, and I think it's a great point. And and yes, Jeffrey the Greek did mention him, Johnny Langen. This is definitely a game. I think I I thought that catch he made and the play he made against Ohio State was excellent uh, in terms of near the goal line, and then um, his blocking has been tremendous. And he's definitely a candidate that could leak out off a block. So I would love to see him get more involved I mean, Bowman. They barely thrown into, but um, you know, that would be really interesting to see. And then I think, yeah, it's just a matter of uh, not fl- who, who flinches first, you know, who, who, who puts the ball on the ground, who makes a key mistake, who's lack of focus. I think one thing that hasn't been talked about at all is that this is going to, this is one of the toughest places to play in the country. Iowa has a great home field advantage. So I think, you know, Rutgers coming off of that game against Ohio State, going into this type of environment, the, 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 the focus level obviously has to be uh, elite, and they, they can't avoid any mental mistakes because that absolutely could make the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, and a lot of that comes to the coaching staff, right? They yep. have these guys yep. prepared. Um, I was looking back at Soraka, so I said that Minnesota lost Iowa last year. They lost to them even in that magical 2019 season when Minnesota lost, it looks like 23 19. And then when he was at Penn State, they lost to Iowa 41 21 in 2020. So Soraka is, I guess, 0 3. And so maybe he'll, there's a little extra motivation there. Maybe he'll try something differently, or maybe Ferenc has his number. I, I don't know. I, I think, and the other thing to keep in mind, I just want to make our listeners clear. If Rutgers goes down 10-0, it, and we say open things up, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean passing because what, right. could, what often happens is that then a defense, instead of putting eight in the box, they put seven. And now you're right. running against seven guys. So then then maybe you can run like a little bit more to the perimeter or you're getting extra yards on the same exact play. We, it's not really opening things up like they're going to start chucking down 10-0. No, they have to be down like 17 points, I would say, before they start really chucking it like that. And yeah, uh I Iowa's not gonna commit pass interference. They're not. Like if you want to say the difference, I would say why do I think Iowa's secondary is a little bit better than Rutgers? That's why. Rutgers has been they have been flagged a few times, and Iowa really doesn't. that they really don't in pass coverage. So um again, great- I guess I would say my last thing is like forty one, fifty percent chance of forty, fifty percent chance of Rutgers winning. Absolutely. I think that their ceiling is much higher than Iowa. If they play well, they they will win. I think if Rutgers plays below average, I think Iowa's floor is higher and they're at home, and they just know they've been in so many of these close games. We've been praising Rutgers for winning one close game against Michigan State. The rest of their games have not been close, right? Like I guess you could say Virginia Tech was a little bit close, but then it was 35-16, just like yep. the Ohio State in reverse. Like yep. not really a close game for four quarters. Whereas Iowa, they are used to this. Their fans are used to this. And so if you can, if you can get a little bit of a margin, I'm not sure if they have the firepower to come back against it. And so that's where, you know, I think, again, I think if Rutgers plays a good game, they'll win. If they, regardless of what Iowa does.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I I think, I think Rutgers needing to either be tied or with the lead in the fourth quarter is key. Obviously they could be down one score and come back, but you know, my last point was, you know, and everybody gets upset every week and, and I'm not denying that there aren't bad calls, but I, I just have a different attitude in it. Like, I feel like, I, I never expect Rutgers to get the benefit of the doubt with the Big Ten officiating crew. I think not until they start winning. Like, they're going to have to win games by overcoming the officiating. It's just that's what's going right. to have to happen. They're not going to get the calls in Iowa City that you think they should get. I'm not saying they're going to get blatantly screwed, but – they have to be able to react and handle that adversity. I think it's definitely going to happen, and it's a matter of are they able to overcome that. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a game that Rutgers is going to be able to win saying, you know, they got all the calls. It's just never going to happen, and there's not going to be the right. benefit of doubt that Iowa is going to get. It's just
1: not well, going to happen. Gotta, you got to keep in mind, right, as a fan, just think about how why did the Pac-12 get destroyed. It's because they couldn't get enough teams to the college football playoff. So there's – again – this isn't like a conspiracy like the NFL where they literally right. don't have to call it fair, but in college big 10 wants an undefeated Michigan and undefeated Ohio state to sure. one of them through the conference title game. And they want one of those teams to play a team with a good record from the West. Yep. So if, if again, I don't think this game is going to be quote rigged because I don't right. think college they do that. But if it's a close call in Iowa city or, and, and you know, There could be not getting that call. They're not. There's a tendency that, yeah, do you want Iowa? If you're the Big Ten, you want Iowa to have a better record so that if they end up in the in the Big Ten title game, yes, it looks like a better game. Even though you know Ohio State and Michigan also played records at the end of the year, that number next to their name, people are going to be like Big Ten title game. They don't want six and six, or I'm sorry, they don't want seven and five Iowa against like Michigan and then it being a close game, and then you know right. something weird happens like they don't want that and so again again i am not saying it's rigged i i could have a talk all day about the nfl but in college i don't think it's rigged but you're not getting a 50 50 call in no. iowa City. you cannot bank on that no 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 i don't think you get, you're gonna get a 40
0: 60 call like i i think it's right. just you know like it's just not gonna happen and, everyone harps every week on four or five blatantly missed calls and you know first of all i think it's just human error as part of it the collegiate officials are not oh, i yeah. mean they're, they're insurance salesmen their card, t- like they're, they're real people right right so i think sometimes the idea that like they're getting screwed it's just they just make a mistake like you know it's just a bad mistake it happens this isn't their full-time career job uh but on the flip side, I think yeah, I, I think it's it, it, Rutgers has the it, it's not about, and I'm not saying the team thinks this, but it's like with it, it's like you can't you have to expect for things to go wrong, you have to expect that adversity, you know. And I think Chiana prepares them mentally for that because that's why they're so tough, and that's why you have to chop through it, and that's the whole mentality of that because they're going to have calls go against them on Saturday. They have to be able well, to overcome that to win.
1: And even then, I would say in the in the aggregate, I think officiating as a whole has been even, if not slightly better, for Rutgers this year. There are plenty yes. of calls that they've gotten this year that I'm like, there's no way they get that last year.
0: I agree. I agree. And so,
1: you know, they almost called that Ian Strong one a touchdown. I'm like, there's yep. no way. There's That's not a touchdown. Like, as I um, wish it was a touchdown. But yeah. Like, that, that should not even be reviewed. It was so obviously an incompletion. Yeah. And so it, was it was a
0: great was a great try. One. I mean, he almost had it.
1: I, I know. If he, and, again, if he does catch that, it's amazing, right? The 28-23... 20, yeah. Like upset alert, like everybody's phones blowing up with upset alert. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. So again, again, I don't want to harp too much. As a former inter, like, like just intramural official and soccer ref, football, basketball, I ref every sport except volleyball. Like it's hard. Like, yeah. And so some of them are just that. And then some of them are, you know, just questionable and it could go either way. Like, yeah. So. Yeah,
0: when you have uh, 80 or 90,000 Iowans uh, screaming at you, you know. It, uh, well, that's it what I was
1: saying basketball. Don't play to win by two, play to win by 10. And I think yeah. Rutgers, you know, has to have that mentality in this game.
0: Yeah. Yep. So. All right, David Anderson, uh, really appreciate it. We went longer than expected, but I think it was worth it. And uh, thanks for listening and watching once again here at the Scarlet Faithful.